and then Judy's going to come and share uh, with us as well. And as we read these words written by Luke, um, really describing the first church, let's, let's reflect on them from the context of our series of being a thriving church in a thriving city or for a thriving city. Here's what he writes. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for for Judy this morning and for all that she's prepared and all that you've given her to share. And we pray that you would open our hearts to hear what you would say and uh, change our lives as a result. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. It's lovely to see you. And if I haven't already uh, said uh, it's good to be back, uh, then uh, I do say that uh, gladly. I'm back uh, two weeks just and uh, have had three months of uh, sabbatical and it seems quite appropriate actually to have had a sabbatical in a time when we're looking at thriving and uh, to me it really speaks of uh, us wanting to be a church where people can thrive. So as I said last week, I'm truly grateful uh, that uh, you've allowed me that time and uh, it's good to be back and looking at being thriving together, being a thriving church for a thriving city and uh, in our series looking at as we look at the key changes that we talked about way back at church gathering this key change if you like from moving from me to we in an individualistic culture how do we live and retain the sense of togetherness oneness that we are this church and when you read Acts 2 as we just had read for us now I wonder what it does in you There are two reactions that I find both within me. One is, I want us to be more like that, if I'm honest. When you read it, you think, brilliant, I I would so love us to be more like that. And the other is, actually, we have the power in God and in his spirit to be exactly like that. And in a world that is increasingly in need of a church that is thriving in our city, in our nation, then then our heart's cry goes out to that spirit-filled life that was full of awe, was full of enjoyment of God, was thriving and God added to their number daily. And uh, I'm sure if we're honest, that would be our heart, that there are more stories uh, like uh, Fiona uh, reaching out to her mate and actually seeing, as was it Dan? Des is life changed so much. I'm so glad they got together at the end. It was a big relief, wasn't it? Um, and uh, I, I don't know about how things are going for you. I'm just back in Birmingham uh, after quite a few weeks away. And of course, the bin strike has hit, hasn't it? Yes. Um, who now actually has had their bins emptied? Because there are quite a few. Oh. Yeah, Solihull or no, just yes, oh yes, yes. Uh, Kings Heath we haven't, just to say, or certainly my neck of the woods we haven't. And um, um, oh yeah, Margaret has, oh, well done, Margaret has. So they haven't got to Melton Road yet, but what it has done on my street, this bin strike, is it's brought us all together. 
because the optimists amongst us, I include myself in that, are out every day, aren't we? We're thinking, could this be the day? My bin's coming out again, and next door, Dell, he's the same, so his bin comes out, and we have a little conversation. I've got to know everyone much, much better through this. People who didn't used to talk to people are now talking to people. People are friends with one another. We're particularly friends with Four Doors Down, because they've got a skip. So obviously now they're our new best friends because we're all knocking on their door. Could I just put one more bag in? Is that all right? So my little strip of the road, we're all coming together. And I love that because I think I was built for community. I think we were built for community, uh, if we're honest. And actually, uh, alongside all of this, there's a lovely news story that gets swallowed up in all some of the, the harder stuff to hear about the, uh, the brothers, uh, the Bin brothers, the brothers from our Muslim community, um, the Bearded Brothers, I think they called or the bearded bros uh, who have gone out and have said this is our city they've moved if you like from me to we and they've said I'm going to stop moaning about the bin strike like me and my friends are they actually going to do something constructive about it because it's our problem and how can we be part of a solution how can we together actually thrive our roads our streets our city and here in the example of the early church, we have a church who are doing just that. They're doing it by sharing what they have. They're doing it by actually meeting where there is need. And they are blessing and loving one another. Um, and Paul, actually, in Romans, talks about the fact that church is a bit like a colony. And uh, it's a little bit like our citizenship has changed. It's shifted. It's shifted across. He uses the word for colony that our dictionary definition would really say that we're an outposting, that we're a, a culture within a culture, that we're a beachhead is one of the ways of defining it, that actually we can be transforming our world. And this uh, quote from Stanley Hauerwas, I think, is a really good illustration of that. He says, the church is a colony, an island of one culture in the middle of another. In baptism, our citizenship is transferred from one dominion to another, and we become, in whatever culture we find ourselves, resident aliens. Now, look around you. We're aliens. That's not always that hard to believe, isn't it, when we look at one another? But we are. That's what we're called to be. But there's also a shift when people get married and you get into the reception, uh, there's always the kind of moment, isn't there, where maybe it's the groom or the bride stands up and says, my husband and I, or my wife and I. And what that means, essentially, is I no lo longer live just for me, but we have become we, we've become one. What mine is yours, we share what we have. There's a covenant that is made before God in marriage that actually says that, that actually says we share together. And our covenant of baptism is a little bit like that, that as we come into church, as we enter into this vibrant, thriving community that can be and is church, we shift from one to the other. And I don't know, you might agree with the theory, but what does the practice look like for you and I on a Sunday? Do we come here, if we're a regular visitor here, if we come here, if we're a regular part of the congregation here, do we come with that I individualism that is so entrenched in all of us? It's the air that we breathe, it's the culture that we have, all about my needs, or are we hosting something that is for the community, that is for all, so that God can be actually adding to our number daily because that's the bit that gets me I don't know when you read it that last bit is the bit that catches my heart and I just think yes God that's what we long for 
that day, those stories, those beautiful Alpha stories, we are hosting Alpha, as Andy says. It's not just the Alpha team, we're doing it. We've got the invitations, now who do we invite? Uh, I had a little situation this week um, where there's someone I've been praying for in my life, one of my book club people, and she was picking me up. And uh, I'd felt God really asked me to buy her part of the Bible. It's a modern translation called The Passion, which is really just the Proverbs and the Psalms. And it's really just full of wisdom that has helped me lovely Liz Bryson gave it to me uh, during my uh, sabbatical and I thought it's really helped me and I bought a couple of copies and I really felt I should give it to her and I wrapped it all up and put it in a present bag and then I felt myself acutely embarrassed about it and you know all the things that come into your head about am I putting my belief onto her and why would you know why would I randomly give her this and we were in the car it was dark which was useful and um I got the little present bag by my feet and I started rambling. You know, I started saying, well, I, I bought you something. It's a bit strange, really, but it is a book that's helped me and I just hope it helps you. And if it doesn't, you know, just give it to somebody else. But anyway, I, I, you know, and I, I could just hear myself and God's going, just stop it, Judy. And, um, and actually, I said, well, she said, well, what is it? And I said, well, it's parts of the Bible on wisdom, really, and just helping with wisdom when we're making decisions. And I, I don't know if it'd be helpful. And she started to cry at the wheel and just said, never in my life before have I needed that more than I do now. Now, sometimes in our lives, it's embarrassing, it's awkward, uh, it goes against the grain maybe to do, but to risk it for this kingdom, to risk it for the contagion of what we're doing, for the stories like the one we've just heard, and to actually know that even when I was doing that, I know there was at least two people who were praying about it for me. Does that make sense? That actually we don't travel alone. We're running together. We've got others cheering us on. And uh, as we are church together, even here this morning, there are people alongside you now, sitting just a few you know, seats away from you or next to you, who are limping who are in need of that brotherhood, who are in need of that sisterhood. Maybe even it is, is you this morning. But the lovely thing about that is that we can, in Christ, have that sense of family. Jesus models it. In fact, when Jesus goes to the cross and someone says, oh, your mum and your brothers are here, he's quite firm, isn't he? He says, actually, he points at the disciples and he says, actually, they and my family. They're my brothers and my mother because this family is extended now. It doesn't mean it negates the relationship Jesus had with them, but it actually extends to you and I. So if you look at people along from you, they are your brothers and sisters this morning. We are brothers and sisters. And the crowd is watching. The city, if you like, is watching. The people in our lives, in our workplaces, are watching to see actually what is this ecclesia, this church movement actually doing for us? How is it changing us? How is it transforming us? And in the passage, it says all the believers continue together in close fellowship. And uh, I wonder who you believe your friends are this morning. I hope that you feel you have them. Uh, if you don't feel perhaps you have them or you don't feel you have enough, uh, then maybe it's time to perhaps join a life group or a community group where you can make some of those friends who can run with you, who can walk with you. But I was reading uh, from C.S. Lewis about friendship just this week. And... Um, 
he says that perhaps we think that we've chosen our friends through discernment and we thought, oh yes, you know, we've got something in common. But he says there's a master of ceremonies, the Spirit of God, that chooses some of our friends for us. That's a good gift to have, isn't it? And this is what he says. He says, a secret master of ceremonies has been at work. Christ, who said to his disciples, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you for one another. Friendship is not the reward of our discrimination and good taste. It is the instrument by which God reveals to each the beauty of all the others. Beautiful, isn't it? Friendship is one of the things I am most blessed and most passionate about in my life because I think it is a gift that moves us from me to we, that actually says I don't run alone today and that none of us do. I was so spurred on in my three months away uh, by messages from people and even words of knowledge. There was one very specific word of knowledge from someone here in this room that totally kept me when I didn't go to Korea and ended up being in Tolworth by my dad's bedside. <laughs> you know, all geared up for one thing and then in a totally different place. And she had prayed with me and fasted for me and said very clearly that God had said, if you don't end up where you think you will be, God will use you where you are. And that changed the way I saw that time, just from one person's obedience. That's the body, that's the fellowship of friendship and believers together. And we know that Jesus is passionate about friends. Why do we know that? Because that's how they did it, that's how he did it. He got a team of friends together, a ramshackle group of people, and they changed the world. And that is us. That's what we can do here. And how do I know we can do it? Not because we're brilliant, though we are obviously, or you all are, but actually because of the beginning of Acts 2. Because what's happened before this passage is that they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And actually people thought they were mad. The community then said, well, are they drunk? Are they mad? Because they saw that this power had come upon them. But why had this power come upon them? So that they could live like the end of Acts 2, which was this thriving community that was contagious. And by Acts 4, spoiler alert, if you haven't read it, what happens? We read, there was no one poor amongst them anymore. There was no one in need by Acts 4 because of Acts 2 and because of Jesus uh, earlier, <laughs> earlier in the Bible. And uh, when I was away, there's, there's quite a lot of pressure actually coming back as I was sharing in first service. What has God told you in your sabbatical? There's so many things that it's quite hard to really articulate one thing. But one thing I know he's told me, he's told me that I, I sense maybe for much more than just me, is to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts to eagerly desire them, to pray for them so that I am given more words of discernment for people, words of knowledge, that actually amongst us we can spur one another on with this love, with this wisdom, because it's how they did it then. It seemed to work, didn't it? <laughs> it seemed to work. Every day people were being added to their number because they were open but because the Spirit was at work. Uh, when I was away, I went to a conference in Ealing or a gathering in Ealing that was a bit out there, if I'm honest, for me. Uh, it was by someone called Sean Balls. I think I say his name wrong, but that, that's pretty much it. And uh, he, 
He um, has this incredible gift of discernment and prophecy. He came over from America. And my friend, who uh, is very, very Pentecostal enthusiastic, Ruthie, rang me up and she said, Judy, we really want you to come, and it's only in Ealing, and you're close by. Will you come? And in my arrogance, I have to confess, on my way there, I was going, Lord, I think this is going to be a bit out there and a bit weird. So just help me explain to Ruthie why I don't think it's any good and why I feel that perhaps some of the theology isn't quite where I'm at. And I was doing all this, and God's probably thinking, you just wait what I've got for you because I can be quite reserved in these settings and then I go in there's this phenomenal sense of worship of God and then the guy stands up and says almost nails every question that I had straight on he says if I was sat where you're sat I'm a cynic I'd I'd, you know I grew up in a very very sort of keep your feet on the ground sort of uh, life he said and actually God has given me this gift and called me to use it and he gave an example which I wanted to share with us as we think about this business of me to we of sharing and he said that he'd been traveling a lot he'd been coming to see us in London he's from America and uh, he was tired and jet-lagged and he got to the airport bit where the coffee is and thought I've downloaded two episodes of my favorite drama I can't remember what it was now and he said all he was going to do was grab his coffee put his earphones in and just watch his two episodes are you with him so far I am I am exactly with him that would be me I'm just thinking I don't want to talk to anyone anymore I'm traveling I just want to watch my thing I just want to put my earphones in and there's definitely uh, perhaps an introvert in all of us I don't know that actually feels sometimes like that and rightly so maybe but he's in the queue he's just approaching where the sugar area is and there's a lady there and God speaks so clearly to him and just says that lady by the sugar is broken-hearted She's absolutely brokenhearted. And he knows that God has spoken. Now, I was thinking about this when we were sharing in the first service. What would our reaction be? I think if we were honest, some of us, myself included, would think, I'm just making that up now. I'm just thinking, I don't think that's really you, God. So I'm just going to, because I've got my two episodes ready. So I don't think, I think I'm getting that wrong. But he doesn't. He thinks, no, actually, that's, that's God. That's stopping the race, isn't it? That's not running on alone. It's actually costly to stay back. And so what he does is he taps this woman on the shoulder and he said, I don't know if this makes sense to you, but I'm a man of God. I I believe uh, that he's just spoken to me to say that you're broken right now and that he loves you. And she starts to cry there and then. And then just starts to pour out her heart that she has uh, ended her a relationship in, in a really horrendous way. She's worried about her children. She's never travelled on her own before and is even scared of flying. And he's able not only to pray with her, but to explain the gospel. And she became a Christian at the airport after he spent his two hours with her <laughs> instead of watching his episodes. And that's a shift, isn't it, for all of us. It's a challenge, if we're honest, from me to we. And yes, there will be times, of course there'll be times when it's important that we just switch off and, and, and definitely. But actually to be open, Acts 2 happened the way it did because of the work of the Spirit in them. And actually it's the same with the Alpha story we've heard, it's the same but actually to be open, even if we get it wrong. This guy stood in front of us and had words for people and, he, and they said, no, that's not me at all. And he said, oh, I've got that wrong then. And he did it with such a lovely humility that it made me trust him more. Um, because actually that's all of us. We will get things wrong. We will perhaps even hear God slightly wrong. But the risk is worth the taking. It's worth the taking as we thrive together. And what about moving from they to we? Because this can be tricky as well. 
If you want to be a critic of church, and we all do at times, I think, where's the best place to sit? In the spectator gallery, isn't it? We haven't actually got one, but um, it's good to sit in the crowd, isn't it? On the sidelines, because if you're there and I'm watching it all happen, then I can say, oh, they don't do that very well. Maybe you're a visitor and you feel free to critique us. That's absolutely fine. But actually, once we're in it, once we belong, once we've actually been baptised into this colony, this, this community of believers, we move from that place of saying they don't do that the way that I think. And they say, we are. We may be failing in this, we may be succeeding, but there's a shift because they will always be the potential to be an armchair pundit. Have you ever been one of those? Who's an armchair pundit here when they watch a football match? There must be some of you. Okay, just Dave Isgrove then. I don't believe that, actually. I mean, I believe he is, but I think there are more. I think there are more, I have to say. I won't name you, but I think you're there. But everyone's, you know, we, we wouldn't have played that ball. We wouldn't have done that that way, would we? But actually, as soon as we're on the pitch, we celebrate the highs and lows together. We're high-fiving the highs, and we've got our arms around each other for lows because we're on the pitch together, because we're part of the team. And that is us at Riverside Church. We are a team. We're a beautiful team. We're a broken team. We're a limping team. We're a getting-it-wrong team. We're a getting-it-right team. We're all of that, but we are we. And if you've been with us for a, a few weeks, maybe you're coming to the welcome meal or you're coming to belong to Riverside in a few weeks' time, that's a shift then where we take it on. I was talking to a lovely friend uh, a while ago who said, when I asked you to lead a community group, she wanted to say no. And uh, there were a lot of things at the time that she was a bit dissatisfied with. But she took on the job and she said, what's changed is the way I view Sunday gatherings. Because she said, suddenly, I'm saying we. I'm saying, oh, well, how are we, how, what are we doing about those people? How are we welcoming? What are we doing? And the shift has happened because they're no longer on the stadium uh, in the crowd. They're actually on the pitch. And that's God's invitation. There is no sense in Acts 2 of passengers or spectators, is there? Everyone was filled with awe. They all shared it. They all shared it. They all participated in it. They all bore witness to what they had seen and heard. They moved, if you like, from they to we. They sold their possessions and distributed the money among all according to what each other needed. And there is great need in our midst even this morning in first service, I heard of two really heartbreaking situations that made me think there is so much need out there. And we have one another. That's pretty much all we've got. We have the one another's that are in scripture, to love one another, to bear with one another, to provide for one another. And they may be physical needs, uh, but they may not be. They may be emotional <coughs> needs that are here where one person can, can run with another so that we're not alone. And if you're going off to university, I was with my uh, <laughs> MIF small group this week, and some of them very nervous. Three of our group are going off to university, and two have already gone, so they were sort of spurring each other on a bit. But it's hard, and there's a fear of being alone alone. There's a fear that actually does the colony, colony, I'm finding it very hard to say that word, I struggled in first service, colony, does it extend that far? You know, when you're in a different place, will the same things be true? And the answer is yes, they will be, and this group, this colony, will be praying for you. You don't go alone. 
You go with our love. We, we've set up a WhatsApp group in our group so that actually we can spur each other on. Uh, maybe do that with your life group or do that with your community <coughs> group so that you can say what is true now here in Birmingham is true in Southampton or uh, in Loughborough or wherever you are. It's true. And you're not on your own. They ate together, and we know that we like to do that here in our community groups and in our life groups, with glad and humble hearts, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. But they had a reputation in the city that actually was transformational, that was changing lives, that was forming uh, a different culture. And I know for me, when I hear the news, particularly at the moment, it just seems so, so tough to think that we can make a difference in it. It seems increasingly hard to believe that. And yet in this scripture, we have deep, great hope for our nation and for our world. We really do. We have a chance, an opportunity uh, to bring love where love is not, to be those brothers and sisters, to be those ones who offer that, that shoulder, that love, that running with one another. And I think one thing that John Ortberg says, and it wouldn't be one of my talks if I didn't quote John Ortberg, as some might say, God uses people to form other people. That's why what happens between you and another person is never merely human-to-human interaction. The spirit longs to be alive in every encounter of ours when we are believers, that there are encounters this week, as we've said many times, and I can testify to this, if we pray at the start of the week or pray when we get home today for those encounters that God will put in our diaries, they will come, they will come, and actually God will do things, even in your life this week, he's done things that you didn't know he did, by the power of his spirit, by the dynamic of his spirit. In first service, I hope they won't mind me sharing, uh, but uh, there was somebody here who was just feeling a bit glad that you know certain people had gone off to uni and that the household looked like, oh, they could just breathe again in busy lives. And she felt the Lord very strongly say, lay another place at your table. <laughs> just as she thought, oh, we've got the numbers right and everything's going to be all right for us at home lay another place at your table. And she was in tears because she said, it's going to be at cost to my family, but I believe it's what the Lord is asking. She hadn't told her husband yet, so I'm sorry if I, uh, spoiler alert, but um, it's so true that actually God would say to us, lay another place at your table. You know, when all the thing was going on about refugees and still is going on, and there was so much dialogue on Facebook, on social media, and I read this beautiful thing about we shouldn't be worrying about building a higher wall, we should be worrying about building a longer table. And uh, beautifully put, but actually that's true for us as church now, that looks at that sense of how do we prepare for those that God will have, those that he's bringing to our number. I don't know what Emma sees, but something obviously <laughs> really uh, affects her, doesn't it? Um, what I love about um, that is just the fact that actually there's ownership there. There's cost to it. There's people turning up early, uh, and, and it is a sense of family. And I know for me, when I arrive here early on a Sunday and see all of you doing all the different roles or staying late and all of that, it does really speak to me of family. It speaks of a family that is waiting to welcome visitors. And actually, that is all of us. That's every single one of us, uh, that we're hosting something here. And we're hosting the Holy Spirit. We're hosting him so that he can make a difference through us, even when we can't see what it is that he's doing. 
As we respond to this, I think there are two things that I wanted us really just to be reminded of. One is that actually we are not alone. And as I look out and see those going off to uni, and I have to say this has been an extraordinary year of people. You guys have served us, blessed us in incredible ways, incredible ways. And we, we see leadership in you. We see a whole host of beautiful things that God is going to do and the way that he's going to, to use you to be part of this exciting church movement that is the, the kingdom of God. Um, but you're not on your own. You're not alone. And I'd also extend that to you if you are feeling lonely this morning to just absolutely know that there are people here that will run with you, that will hold on to you. But the other is that sense of that God added to their number daily those who were being saved. And he did it because they were receptive, they were in awe. We hear at the beginning of the passage that there were miracles that happened amongst them. If we think of Sean's story, there were miracles that brought him to that place to reach out to that woman. There was a voice that spoke clearly to him. And as we eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, that we would be this transformational body, because his hope is in us. He hasn't got a plan B, as we've said many times before. He's put his hope in us, and I'm glad he is. I'm privileged that he is. And uh, I really do know the difference that each of you makes, but I know there's more ahead for us. There's more to be, uh, to be had from his spirit as we move out together in love. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. That will be the thing that people will witness more than anything else. Let's stand together, and I'd love to read some words as the band come back up and as we respond. Uh, These are some words taken from the message, um, just a different take on Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58, if you know that passage, is really where Isaiah is being challenged to be the world-changing body that we long to be now. And he's looking at the world, he's probably seeing the brokenness that we see, the fear that we see, and God is asking them, He's saying, I don't want a kind of fasting that is joyless. I want something that is engaging and cheerful and beautiful. Don't stop enjoying God. Uh, This group of people are enjoying God and enjoying one another. So let me read this. This is Isaiah 58 from the message and read this over us as Riverside Church as we face a new season together. This is the kind of fast day that I'm after, to break the chains of injustice to get rid of exploitation in the workplace, to free the oppressed, to cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the stranger into your homes, putting clothes on the shiveringly ill-clad, being able to be available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on and your lives will turn around. Your righteousness will pave the way. The God of glory will secure your passage. And then when you pray, God will answer. You will call out for help and he will say, here I am. Lord, we pray that for everyone here, that when we cry out to you, that you will send someone, that you will send one of the people like the Brownlee brothers to run with us, that you will send a a Fiona, uh, that you will send whoever it is that is in need this morning that that you will send someone to run alongside of them. And Lord, would you give us the fruits of your spirit, of gentleness, of kindness, of patience, of joy, of self-control. All of these gifts, Lord, help us be this community together. Help us draw from who you are to be those that show your love 
so that people will see the love that we have for one another and be changed by it and through it. We pray this in your powerful, beautiful name, Jesus. Amen.